This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Izzy Kempi for breakfast, SCNZ, just after 6 o'clock. Rural Roundup, Handy Joe, getting up nice and early. Kempi doing a little crossover. Ooh, remember those days, Kempi? <laughs> getting up nice and early. Every single day, hey, brother, how you doing? Uh, I'm all good, brother, I'm all good. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, well and truly settled in here. The rain up in Tamaki Makoto yesterday was... Oh, Unbelievable. I can't believe it. I looked over at Jay last night and I said, man, have you remembered in our time the weather to be so, I guess, wet? You know, rain every day. Where's the sun gone? It actually came out yesterday morning. We went for a walk after work and and it was a beautiful day. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, about three o'clock, it just got dark, like really, really dark really quickly. And the rain came in. Um, all night last night so I uh, hope everyone's been safe out there I don't, I don't know what the water tables are like I'm speaking to a mate up in Kitty last week and he's saying Saturday he hadn't seen anything like it up there rain wise um, paddocks are so so damp up there uh, but I'm guessing that's what it's like around most of the country but Kez is telling me mate that um, you were out filming a, something like a brand new caravan you've put together tell us a little bit about that son <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kizza. Trailer park day. Um, Kempi, Kempi, Kempi. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, yeah, so a while back, company just, they've just come to NZ and they're just looking for someone, a family that loves a bit of camping. And so I got to design my own caravan. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool one. It just arrived yesterday, so I was filming it all morning. Um, yeah, so it arrived and parked it up outside. It's it's all black and it's pretty pretty mint, eh? It's It's pretty cool. So we just filmed that yesterday. Kids, it's got two sets of bunks up the front, so the kids took all their pillows, everything that they own, out to this caravan after school <laughs> and pretty much wanted to sleep in it last night. I'm like, mate, relax, we'll go use it soon. But... Uh, yeah, I'll send some photos after this. It's it's pretty nice, and I'm very very lucky. Got got to design this. Daisy did the inside. I pretty much picked the outside. It's like an off road caravan, so it's got big wheels on it and a big frame on the bottom. And mate, it's got hydraulic. You need um, a truck. Bags, so you can you can lift it and lower it. Oh yeah, I've got to go take my um, my truck in and get a get it all kitted out because I thought you know just chuck it on the tow bar and tow ball there and you'll shoot off. But nah. Need all these new fancy things, so there's a lot, lot of things we got to do before we shoot off. But yeah, that was a cool day. Cool day to get in, get in that. It's like um, it's like Christmas, you know, when you get to get something like that. But uh, yeah, did it come Looking with a, to using did it. it come with a um electric shaver? Electric shaver, yeah. Look, oh, oh, 
I made the big decision, Kimpy Ricardo. Oh, oh. I was under a bit of a cloud. I was like, mm, was the should I shave this? Was the tap turned yeah. off, is he? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I just had a whole weekend of abuse in regards to my moustache. And I thought, look, this isn't great. If I have to keep my moustache, or well, it's got to go. It's got to go today. So yesterday morning, I shaved off the moustache. Got rid of it. What do you reckon? It wasn't really great, was it? Hey, it was absolutely you, horrible. Makes you, makes you look at least oh, 12 months younger. <laughs> 12 months? That's not much, Kempi. A bit more than that, please. Yeah. No, I like the peak too, mate. I like the little the little hairy peak up the top too. You've got, you've got a little bit of, what's that, got a bit of wax in there this morning? Oh, that's just hair, Kempi, when you've got plenty of it. You know, you have a bit of struggle. <laughs> you have problems in the morning. It's called morning hair, you oh. know, Kempi. So Never had that problem. I'm not doing too bad in the hair department, <laughs> but um, if you notice, the room's been changed. Yeah. So I've still got the... the 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 faces up on the SCNZ um, board here, but just got the all black slag in the background because we're sh- we're shifting tack now because we're, we're heading into rugby championship and we're heading into rugby world cup, Ricardo, and we've got a big guest on after seven. I'm looking forward to this. Well, we've got mate. a couple of big guests on when it comes to that today mm. because yeah, Sean Edwards is the uh, the defensive coach of France, of course, a champion rugby league player as well. Champion. Absolute champion mm. bloke. He's got uh, more silverware than you can check a stick at from his rugby league playing days as well as his coaching days when he was head coach at Wasps as well. Sean Edwards, mm. he's coming on. And there's a bloke who knows a little bit about footy as well, uh, Graham Henry coming on after 8 o'clock. So <laughs> I thought we'd get Ted on as a somebody who's a great coach with a great coaching pedigree to give his thoughts on another great coach and in, in, in Razor and, and, and see what he sees in Razor as well and and the, the dynasty that he's built at the Crusaders. So we've got both those blokes coming on uh, to talk uh, footy. So we've got plenty of footy chat coming up today. Plenty of footy chat. Look, if what they haven't chat to Ted, I was watching the news last night, actually, and he's been up the far north because he works in with community rugby and, and community rugby clubs. And there's a club up north that about a year ago, or maybe a year and a half ago, they were struggling, nearly uh, went under. But now they've got two senior teams, a couple of um, junior teams, and they're thriving. So it'll be interesting to chat to him about that as well, what he's doing in the community. But talking about Razor's success, and quickly, boys, I just I noticed something on Sunday. And Eddie Jones went on breakdown on Sunday night, and he's obviously just announced his uh, Wallaby squad, 34, 35, a couple of old names. Quade Cooper's back in the mix, Marika Koropeti. Um, but he, he had a wee something to say on the breakdown. They got the mind going, Kimpy, and I know you'll love this. Kez, can you play that clip? Yeah, we got about three or four that are ready to sign, mate. Um, <laughs> big names. Big names. Uh, I can't tell you now, but no, I, I think, and I think it adds to the competitive tension. And by signing a guy like Sui Ali, it, it helps that. If we sign two or three others, it'll help that. Oh, there you go, eh, Kimpy? So Eddie Jones, come on, spoke to the breakdown, Kirsty and Co, about Joseph Suali's signature. Uh, Suali'i, sorry, and the three big names that potentially he is talking. He doesn't mince his words, Eddie Jones. Doesn't mince his words. And he spoke about the need to play fight fire with fire in terms of the NRL because when you flick through the Daily Telegraph over in Australia, you go to the back page, there's still water polo, and then you see a little clip of the rugby. It's all league-dominated AFL. So when you got someone like him in the media having a little conversation like that and saying that there are three big names potentially going to go and play rugby. Oof. 
Doesn't that get the mind flowing, going? Who are those three big names, Tony Kemp, Rick Dahl? Mate, I, I read that. I read that, uh, you know, after he named his side and he's pulling all his players back from overseas. I think it was nine players he pulled back from overseas into that into that squad for the, mm. for the championship, obviously looking at the World Cup. And then I read that little clip at the back of it saying, yeah, we're talking to a few league boys as well and uh, watch the space. We've got some signings coming on. He's, he's got a, a massive fight going on at the moment with uh, Volandis, the, the New South Wales uh, racing guru and of course who's bought the NRL all the money um, and growing the sport and in around I guess running off the back of Volandis it looks like if he's if he's going to sign anyone for my liking it's going to be ex-rugby players you know what I mean so he's taken Joseph back it, it wouldn't surprise me if Angus Crichton goes back because he's come from rugby um, you know there'd be that type of player but there's not going to be you know he ain't going to get the likes of Reese Walsh Latrell Mitchell um, you know, why not? Tommy, Tommy Turbo, mate. He just couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't. Um, I'll tell you one thing. He will do is he will pump their contracts up. And the one thing that mm-hmm. Volandis will do, Volandis will make a rule because this is what Volandis does, and he'll call mm-hmm. it the rugby rule. Yeah, he'll call it the rugby rule, mm-hmm. and he will just pay them overs those blokes to stay in the game. So all he's gonna all he's gonna create is gonna create a mini super league war. It's called a rugby rugby league <laughs> war. And Volandis with all the with the purse strings is gonna is gonna introduce a rule and he'll say, Well, if they wanna come to our sport, what we'll do for the clubs because you've got to think about it. If he does go to sign marquee players, let's say Reese let's name those three fullbacks, Reese Walsh, Tommy, Tommy Turbo and Latrell Mitchell, mate, he'll just introduce a rugby a rugby a rugby rule. I wouldn't be surprised if Tommy Turbo goes. He needs to play something where he doesn't get injured so so often. So, you know, take it easy. You can go play some union for a while. Yeah. yeah. But it's, I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you, he knows how to get them in the media, old Eddie Jones. He doesn't mind, you know, putting himself right out there. Like you said, you know, he talks he talks with a forked tongue. Um, and that mm. gets you that gets you the media that you want. He's worth his, he's worth his, his weight in gold just for um, some of the comments that he makes. But... Uh, I just think at the moment, um, Australian rugby. Yeah, I, the only the only people that are going to be happy about uh, this type of conversation are the actual players, because their contracts mm-hmm. are going to go through the roof. Yeah, and I, I, look, there's a lot of positives from it too, Kippy. Like they've got a rugby world cup coming up in a couple of years. They've got a British and Irish Lions, and that's a huge factor in a lot of these decision makings. But you, you talk about the big names, the Trial Reese's, Travoyevic. Okay. Potentially they probably won't make the shift. But the next crop that potentially could make the shift, and obviously there's big outside backs, but when you look at the forward pack and you look at people that are in inside the in the middles, you know, the big bodies that are really mobile, is there anyone that you think, okay, not even have to be a rugby player. Played maybe a little bit growing up, but more of a leaguey that potentially could make that transition over to, to rugby union. Oh, Payne Haas, without a doubt. Like Payne Haas came from Newcastle. When he was up in Newcastle, he played he played NFL, he played rugby, he played rugby league. Um, now, big body, he goes straight into that number eight position and he just picks the ball up from the back of the scrum and he's going to be hard to tackle. Can he transition into international rugby? That's your, always going to be your question, isn't it? You know, yeah. not, there's not too many Sonny Bull Williams around there. You look at Roger, um, there's not too many of those players that can make that technical transition from rugby league to rugby union um it's a pretty simple game rugby league mate it's a difficult game technically uh, rugby union and could you imagine Payne Haas or someone like that going into Eddie Jones's camp 
It'd be an interesting one. I oh, mean, yeah. If you look at most of the guys that um, <laughs> that the Wallabies have got from league over the years, they've all been outside backs. Hey, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's Just a, less to, to worry about, eh, Rick? Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's you know, and I'm not I'm not having a crack here, but, you know, it's, it's you know, basically, I think Sonny Bill Williams talked about it. There's a few others talked about it. It's what you do when you get to the breakdown, how you handle the breakdown, how you manage the breakdown, what you can and can't do. There's so much to learn and, and mm. you know, um, there's all that, I guess, that instinct, what you would do instinctually versus what you need to do and training that is, is a hell of a lot harder. Um, and I, I think that's probably why, you know, we'd see easier to go from union to league than the other way around. I, th- I think a lot of it too is around, you know, it, toughness in rugby union, toughness in rugby league are two different things. You know, you'd have to argue that Sonny Bill Williams was one of the toughest rugby league players to run around. You know, he... The, he, he basically owned the shoulder charge when it was legal. Um, in that middle of the park, we used to go through the line, introduce the offload. But when you go to toughness in rugby union, it's about the breakdown and get putting your head in those dark places and, and getting mm. ringed. You know what I mean? Like you get, you, you're like in a washing machine getting, getting rinsed um, you know, for 80 minutes. And I think when you're looking at it from a league perspective, if you if if you are thinking of someone with a forward, like they couldn't be any other than a, a number eight or a, a a flanker. You know what I mean? Because mm. they're not going to get in there and get rinsed out like those rugby union boys have been doing at that level for so many years. You know, Sam Whitelock, Sam Kane. You know, those guys that are used mm. to it. You just can't go. What well, I'm going to come from this game. Rugby league, and I'm going to go on and put my head in that space. I just, I can never see it happening. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's the thing, you know. Sam Burgess, he couldn't, he couldn't make it work. And I thought when Sonny Bill came over to Union from rugby league, that he was best placed to be a loose forward. But they, yeah. but they went, no, we're going to play him in the backs. Oh, and I think that's the difference, yeah. is he? And as he would know, that, mate. The thing I remember about rugby union when I played it, all right, I just did not want to get rinsed. You know, you pulled me. I was playing halfback. Those forwards reached through the ruck and pulled me in. I'd bite their hands. Get 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 out. <laughs> Let me go. I'm I'm no way in the world getting my head in that spot. And I think that's the difference. You know, you've got guys that are growing up, and they and I think those selectors like the Teds in that they see that and go, well, that's the bloke we want. You know, we want that kid who's going to just do that for us. And as he would know them, yeah. you know. Yeah. Oh, it makes sense, doesn't it? Guys, like you know, coming over, you want them to to focus on just pure mindset and skill sets to what their positional involves. And when you're going over and playing on the forward, you got to worry about a breakdown, you got to worry about a lineout, you got to worry about a scrum, kickoff receipts. There are so many things. Like you're not just getting into position, staying there and hitting it up. You've actually got to hit breakdowns. You got to be a step ahead of the opposition. And particularly with Benji Marshall, when he came over and played ten, I think. It's a tough, difficult decision for him to play 10 because you've got to drive the whole show. Even though you drive a lot in rugby league, you're making all the decisions, but there's just so much involved. You've got to know every single line-out move, where it's going on the line-out, front, middle, back, so you can um, pick your play off it. Um, you've got to know where you're kicking. Oh, there's just so much involved. But, but I reckon watch this space. Interesting to see if anything comes out of it. No, Eddie Jones, he just loves playing with the media, so it could be speculation. But um, Eddie... You know, he's he's, he's man of a uh, few words, but when he talks, he listens. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair to Eddie, he hasn't stipulated exactly where these guys might come from. I mean, there's a few blokes mm. at the moment who don't have coaching gigs, so it might even just be getting somebody over as a as a coach to be the defensive <laughs> coach because seems to be the thing, isn't it? Well, get, he's got, he's got Hodg- a defensive coach. I think he's got Hodgkinson, hasn't he? He brought him back from England, the uh, the ex West Tigers fullback. Brett um, Hodgson. 
Brett Hodgson. So I think he's brought him back. Look, look. He last week I don't know if you watched it, but Andrew Johns was at training down with the Wallabies. Yeah, you know, taking all the all the back mm. all the backs and five eights through, you know, um, straightening straighten the lineup um, offensively. So, man, I th- mm. look, I, I do take my hat off to him for using that. You know, that's mm. you know talking to Sean Edwards like Sean Sean Edwards for instance when he comes on this morning, uh, he's been around in rugby union since two thousand I think the early two thousands. And made that transition through, you know, Wales, the Lions, Wasps, club level, into the France 14 and into the French team now who's sitting number one. You know, like, I just think that, you know, when Eddie Jones, those head coaches go, well, we can actually learn something. That's one thing I think that the All Blacks are, um, are missing out on. They need to get with the, with the um, programme. He's the pioneer of the line speed, Kimpy, yeah. in terms of defence. He, he was the one that really painted, put it on the map. And our teams are focused. I'm really looking forward to this because Sean Edwards is is a big name that many have spoken about when he didn't get the England job or he didn't get the Welsh job. You know, he's always been in other uh, teams that have gone so successful. Every team he coaches, they're they're very, very good. And Sean Edwards has um, got an opportunity now with with France Rugby. And I want to talk to him about, like, the line speed and and everything that goes on and what are the challenges now with teams that have been facing line speed how do you continue to evolve your defence? So, man, I'm looking forward for that chat after 7 o'clock. Yeah, well, I mean, it's enough of this chat, gentlemen. There's there's proper hard questions that need to be asked. <laughs> Let's do it. Can't wait question of the day. Can't wait question of the day today. comes off the back of Talia McGrath, who plays cricket for Australia. She, they, they, and the Aussies actually just cleaned up the Palmers and the, uh, the women's te- Ashes test. But she did an interview just before that test and has caused some controversy. She has said that soup is not a meal. She was asked, uh, what is one food you despise and you will absolutely not eat? And she said, I can't get my head around liquid as a meal, and my teammates always give me pain about it, but I just can't do it. Soup is not a meal. So that's our Carl White question of the day. The hard questions, that's what we come here for. Is soup a meal? meal. (laughs) Um... It's super meal. Look, I've had it as a meal. Yeah, my wife makes a beautiful creamy pumpkin soup, and then makes her own um, focaccia and bread, and oh, so good. So I'd say it as a meal. Yeah, I, I enjoy a, a nice pumpkin soup. Only pumpkin. Hate tomato. Really? Hate liquid. I hate watery soups too. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know why. Maybe a- because my dad. Cooked them and they're horrible. Yeah, cup, cup of soups I get. <laughs> cup of soups is is is, is just like a, a a coffee substitute, but a soup done mm. properly, a good minestrone, something like that, is always mm. good. Are you Kempi? Oh, mate, I love. Well, she's got no idea what she's talking about. To be brutally honest, soup is a meal. I love a I love a nice soup, and don't mind making a good good vegetable soup or chicken soup. Um, you know, I think that when if you put it right and add the right ingredients, mate, it's more than a meal. More than a meal. Yeah, what so do you reckon? Uh, uh, is it like a soup? Like when you have a appetizer soup and it's just creamy and it hasn't got really that much filling in it, so you're not really full afterwards. It's just kind of like the starter. Or is it a soup that, like you spoke about, where it's got a little bits of meat, lots of little um, veggies throughout it, so you're actually getting quite full? Um, well, there's a difference here. Yeah, well, I think that what you're getting to here is, is where is the line between soup and stew? 
Ooh. Oh, okay. No, I'm hearing there's you. A fine, I'm hearing you. There's well, a fine line you too. Right? There's a fine you line ain't giving me eating a stew. I'll tell you that. A right. casserole or a stew? You yeah. ain't coming to my house. All right. Okay. Well, there you go. The big call <laughs> oh, coming out. That is no, our You've been in Christchurch too long. Carway question of the day. Let us know. Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred, one five zero, eight eleven. Is soup a meal? It is six twenty three here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Get winter ready with Blackmore's Bio C one thousand one hundred and fifty tablets from Chemist Warehouse now only thirty one ninety nine. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. At 628-0800-150-811-8833 is soup a meal. I can't wait. Question of the day. A few uh, messages <laughs> on this. Dale, wonton noodle soup, number one cure for a hangover. Is a boil up a soup? That's a good question. Uh, soup is a meal so long as it has a, po- a pile of cheesy toasted sandwiches alongside it to dunk. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just lunch from Kimberley, which brings up the question, is lunch a meal or not? <laughs> I thought lunch was a meal, but there you go. Uh, so Kiwi's oh. coming through. John, as a smoothie, a, a meal. There, well, it's a replacement meal. They call that, don't they? Replacement meal. It's like if you're a ah. dietitian, they call so that. it is a meal. So it's a it's a meal. Um, Morena Koto is soup a meal. Just uh, yes, just add roasted veggies. That's <laughs> for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kimpy, boil up. Soup? No, no, it's not, not a chance. <laughs> not a chance of ball ups of soup, mate. That's a, that's the king's meal. That one, it's first class. Um, I, th- I think they, I think you you sort of hit the nail on the head with soup when it uh, when it becomes a stew. You know what I mean? It's so a thin line, right? So, cause I, it I, is a very thin I, line. I, I grew up eating a lot of pea and ham soup. Yeah, the old lady mate, mm-hmm. and also minestrone because yep. the old lady's Italian, right? And minestrone is full <laughs> of. Bits of veggies. It's full of bits of pasta. It's 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 thick. It's real thick. So that's a that's a meal. Mm. Well, oh, I think I think, I think it depends on your soup mix. You know, when you get the little packet of soup mix and, and how much you tip in there, because it can go from a soup to a to a stew real quick. Um, so when with, does it cross over? What's the detail that we no need water. to know? Okay. <laughs> when there's no when water. It's just, when it's creamy and filling and it's almost, and everything that's gone from. Yeah, it's almost like it's uh, it's bits of like veggies and and meat and gravy rather than in liquid. yeah. Instead of going like this, instead of going like this, you're going yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the key there. When you're chewing, it's a it's a feed. Yeah, when you're slurping, it's a, it's soup. a soup. There exactly. you go. I think, we've, I think we've solved it. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. The wife's soup is banging. Definitely a meal. Army soup, well, that's just slop. Not even fit for the dog. Have a great day for Steve-O. So I guess it, it all depends who's making the soup. I think what we've learned from this is Talia McGrath hasn't had proper soup. Yeah. She hasn't had proper soup. She's had that box one. What's that box one called? You get it. Cup of soup. Cup of soup, yeah. Cup of soup. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, it's just like somebody strained hot water through a sock, basically. Cup of soup, <laughs> cup of soup is like chicken paste. Yeah, is it? Yeah, well, it has to be on. What about chicken soup? Whole chicken. Chuck a whole chicken on it. Mm. Yeah, you chuck a whole chicken and you've got more chicken in there than actually soup, but it's called chicken soup. Yeah, that's still soup. That's where you get confused you, between soup but you're going, and stew. No, but you go... And then halfway through you go, yeah, but you go. <laughs> so it's sort of the slurp first. 
No name on the text. We lost it. We lost the plot. No name on this text, but I think this might this might seal it. The cross the crossover uh, between soup and stew is if the spoon doesn't sink. <laughs> there you go. Thank you for that. Text. That's on day two. <laughs> Remember to chuck your name on any text you send through to us. We give you a shout out as well. Double eight double three is the temperate bedpost text line. It is coming up twenty eight away from seven. Time to catch up with Araha for the latest in news. Thanks to Kubota, we're building and shaping New Zealand with soup. Thank you for that, Araha. It is 26 away from 7. Here's some headlines for you. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. And, uh, boys, how is this for a knock from Logan Van Beek, the Kiwi cricketer playing for the Netherlands? He has rewritten the record book. He smashed 30 runs off an ODI super over. So, at the moment, there's qualifying going on to make the ODI World Cup, so there's a whole bunch of countries, Zimbabwe, Ireland, Holland, etc. They're all playing in this thing. So the Dutch, they were facing the West Indies, because the West Indies now have to qualify as well because of their ranking. And after both sides, after 50 overs, 375 each. They were tied. Wow. And Van Beek had already hit 28 or 14 balls. Uh, And so he came out for the super over. He faced Jason Holder, who's the West Indies captain. Hit three fours and three sixes off the six balls, 30 not out in the Super Over. It is a record. It means the Netherlands won the game. It means the Windies are on the verge of not qualifying for the World Cup yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, wow. That's sad if the West Indies can't make that. But what a... Man, what they've a, fallen away, haven't they? They have. <laughs> but what a knock. Yeah, good good to see Kim. Mm. Christchurch boy as well, is he? So, uh, you know. Another one. Oh, another, no surprises. No, another one you poached from the Dutch, but there you go. Um, <laughs> uh, England have succumbed to an 89 run defeat to Australia in the one off women's test at Trent Bridge, leaving themselves with a huge uphill task to regain the Ashes in the multi format series. The Aussies were heavy favourites entering the final day, needing five wickets for the win. England needed 152 runs uh, to get victory, but Ashley Gardner. She took eight for 66 in that second innings for the Aussies. She was the star of the show. She took all five wickets to fall on the fifth day to go with her three the previous day. And uh, that meant England collapsed to be, they lost four wickets for 18 runs. And uh, the, she she cleaned them up. So uh, the, the Aussies take the lead in the Ashes, uh, the women's Ashes as well. So uh, that is uh, uh, one to watch. Uh, plenty of cricket news, obviously, with uh, the second test of the men's Ashes coming up as well. In a little while, there you go. Those are some sports news headlines for your trades and builders. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Troy's on the Minestrone bandwagon. It's in the middle between soup and stew. That's what Troy reckons. <laughs> Keep your texts coming through double eight double three. Our can't wait question of the day. Is soup a meal? We only ask the hard questions here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see what Sean Edwards thinks. Have a have a, uh, a North of England take on whether or not soup is a meal. I mean, soup isn't really a meal over there, and like I can't remember soup in the UK. You know, like you, 
you know those pub meals that you go over there and it's always Yorkshire puds or something like that, you know, roast meals. Now, I can't really remember England being that big on soup. Mm, okay, interesting. You'd think it, you'd think they'd be massive on it when how cold it gets over there. Yeah, exactly. Warm you up, definitely. definitely. There is nothing yeah. better than mm. a nice soup. This is what we're in uh, ABs up in Auckland, or we're training around the country. You come in after a nice cold, freezing Tuesday morning training, and Katrina Dairy, the nutritionist, would just have this big pot, and you'd go in and she'd just have a nice cup of soup for your bus ride home back to the hotel. Oh. There is nothing better. There's a time and a place for soup, and it's right now while this weather's horrible and it's cold, and you can just go get that cup of soup. You sit there and you've got your bit of bread on the side, but you could absolutely abuse the bread, can't you? <laughs> like, let's be honest. You can Fool's abuse gold. a half a loaf, whole loaf of bread. I only have soup with bread. You know, I'm telling my wife, if you make soup, you make plenty of that bread with cheese on it. And, um, oh, so good. I'm getting hungry now, lads. <laughs> get Daisy up, mate. Go on. Get her up. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, don't do that. <laughs> you don't want, to, don't want to be doing that on a cold Christchurch morning. Uh, that is for sure. You, you burn away all those brownie points you got with your new caravan, Izzy. Uh, it is uh, 22 away from 7 o'clock on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast time uh, for you to call us Ooh. on 0800 150811. 0800 150811. $100 with a TAB. Bonus bets up for grab. The Quizmaster is in the house. Do you fancy taking him on? 0800 150 Come on. We'll do it next. Come on. Pack it up, pack it in, let me begin. Get on your phones, dial me for a win. I won't give you answers no matter what you ask me. Try and play the quiz, things won't get nasty. Get up, stand up, come and throw your hands up. If you got the feeling, get the phone's lights ringing. Came to get paid, we came to get paid. So get on your phones and dial now. Call now, 0800. Call now, 150. Call now, 811. Call now, call now and get paid. Hey, 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 hey. Yes, let's rip straight into it. Plenty of soup chat coming through on the text machine. Double eight, double three. Right now it's time for Quizzy Dag. Head to Hamilton and catch up and chat to Jade. Good morning. Jado. Morning. Yeah, good, Jade. How you doing, bud? Very awesome, brother. Crusade on, eh? Yes, that's right, JD. Crusade on, brother. Here we go. Let's get you paid. Question number one. Which two men is UFC boss Dana White hoping to see in the octagon which has been dubbed the billionaire bust-up. Elon Musk and uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. Here we go. Whew, be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm sure Zuckerberg will waste them. Anyway, question number two. Sir Graham Henry played first-class cricket as a wicketkeeper batsman. Which province did he debut for? Surely it was Auckland. Ooh, wasn't Auckland, Jade. Sorry, my friend. Have a good day, brother. Brenton from Auckland. Morning, Brenton. Hey, bro. Howdy, howdy. So, Graham Henry played first-class cricket as a wicketkeeper batsman. Which province did he debut for? Was it Auckland? No, well, I can't get a clue there, Kimpy. Ooh, yep, okay. Uh, let's see. 11 titles. 
Canterbury in 1965. There you go. Who would have thought? Great there question there, Rick Dog. Question number three. Which NRL team has scored the most points this season? Uh, I'm gonna, I don't think it would be my Panthers. Uh, I'm going to say the Storm. Who? The what Storm. The Storm. Storm, no. wasn't the Storm. Sorry, Brenton. Have a good day. 0800 150 811 if you want to have a crack at Quizzy Dag. 100 bucks up for grabs. Brett, the soup man from Huntley. Morning. It <laughs> <laughs> will be for debate whether it is soup. Because there, there is and there is. But I ate all the bacon hot last night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. I ate all the so good. <laughs> oh, you got to sloppy, get that slurping hanu out of that, out of those bacon bones, eh, uh, Kempi? Here we go. Question number three. Which NRL team has scored the most points this season? Is it Para? Parramatta. Second place, the Rabbitohs. Question number four. Which country did the Tall Ferns beat in the opening game at the FIBA Asian Games? Korea. Which one? Well, I don't think it'll be uh, Uncle uh, Kim Jong Un's <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. All good. Okay, okay, Brady, let's get you paid hundred bucks. Crusaders champion coach Scott Robertson made his NPC debut as a player for which union? Yes, you love that question, eh? I knew you were going to come in at number five and have to say it. What's his name? His name is Maumonganui Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Brenny. 100 buck bonus bet coming your way. Hey, just to, just to get you back. I know it's been a tough couple of days, but that's, uh, that's what we do here on SCNZ. We love to get you back. On the board and get you paid. So there you yeah, go, I've my friend. I've been going right on the punt, cuz. Have you? Okay. Yeah. Well, where's those tips going? Just to yourself. Well, I was in the bush, cuz. <laughs> well, at the bush, at the bush races. At the bush races. <laughs> I was uh, betting on Kiddity racing. <laughs> <laughs> Give myself five to one that I can take this possum out with one shot. <laughs> <laughs> Might be uh, it could be, could be. Well, actually, Brady, I was going to say to you that that wasn't Izzy one in you. I I wrote that question not knowing that you were going to be there to answer it. So I apologise. <laughs> I apologise up front. That wasn't even Izzy winding you up. Don't apologise. Don't apologise. <laughs> I'm having to eat it. I haven't right, Oh, sorry, my friend. Appreciate your, your time this morning. Good luck, brother, with that 100 bucks. Hope you uh, can turn that into a, a bit more and enjoy your soup for lunch. I know you're going to send us a message on Twitter and we'll have a look and we'll make the decision whether it is a soup or a meal. All yep. right, brother. Take care. Yes, Brady. We've got a text here from Roy, actually. It's interesting. My wife offered me Ooh. soup for lunch yesterday. Really? 
After 15 years, you still don't know? Definitely not a meal. Sure, it could be nice. A nice clam chowder. Ooh, delicious. For afternoon tea. A creamy chicken soup. Delightful. <laughs> As a starter. A chunky minestrone. <laughs> bellissimo. A morning snack. Hashtag soup is not a meal. From Roy. Thank you, Roy, for your text. That is brilliant. So he's, uh, he, he's saying the difference between a soup a soup, um, and whether or not it's a meal is the time you have it. Well, you say the I think it's how it. full you get. It depends <laughs> on your mindset. You know, when, when, when I'm going through my uh, daily mixed emotions, which is quite often, when you're like, okay, I need to lose some weight here, so I'm going to turn my, I'm going to have my meal, I'm going to have a soup with no bread. It's because it's light, you know, and you feel like if you're having a light meal, you're losing weight. So you, you, that's kind of your approach. It depends on your mindset, I reckon. If you want to just have enough but not be overly full, and sickly full, <laughs> then you have a nice little light soup. I'm just, I'm sitting here, man. I can't see you not not having bread with your soup. Seriously, I'm just having Why, soup. Why, Kempi? Oh, come on, mate. So there's no, there's no soup if there's no bread. It's that simple. There was, there was one of those guys. I'm trying to remember his name. He's like the Aussie Paul Holmes back in the '90s, and he did a soup diet. And because he, he was a big guy, did a soup diet. Did, just ate soup for dinner every night. That was his diet, <laughs> and lost heaps of weight. Yeah, like lost twenty kegs. There you go. Mm. There you go. Better than have bread. So when you're having bread, are you toasting it or are you just having bread? Oh, you got to toast it. What I about butter? Soup. Oh, hundred percent butter. Mm. Cream cheese, bro. Check the cream cheese on what? there. <laughs> now, now it's a meal. Now it's a meal, and now you now you're holding up the front row. Here we go. <laughs> it is eight away from seven here on SCNZ. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Love racing up next. into Chemist Warehouse and find Neutralife Magnesium Complete Forte 120 capsules for only $19.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Yes, it's time for our Love Racing update. You can call us anytime 0800 150 811. And here's one for you, Izzy. The Ashes series will be all-consuming for our mate Baz and his captain Ben Stokes over the next month, but they have a looming debut for a racehorse here in New Zealand, which will hopefully mm. give them some reprieve. Stokes, a three-year-old gelding owned and bred by uh, Baz and named after his captain, has been pleasing his trainer, Curtis Pertab, in the recent trials, and the Matamata, uh, Matamata Horseman is looking at stepping out the promising youngster races prior to the Ashes series end, so they will keep an eye on that. He trolled nicely at Tarapa the other day. Pertib said he has good upside on him and is one to keep an eye on going forward. He's keeping close tabs on the Ashes. He loves training for our mate Baz. He just loves it. Even winning the trial gave him a big thrill. They're the type of uh, people you want to train horses for. So keep an eye out for that. It's an easy name to remember. It's called Stokes. Meant to be racing in the next three weeks. And... Uh, who, gel- who gelded it? Was it an Australian? <laughs> yeah. Wow. We can, we can ask Baz that if we get him on before Thursday. Uh, the Melbourne Cup Carnival also has received an almighty boost with confirmation from the world's leading jockey, Frankie Dettori, that he intends to ride over three days at Flemington Spring Carnival. Used to love watching Frankie when I was up there in England. On the 30th anniversary of his first Melbourne Cup ride, Dettori was a worldwide tour of his final year riding, confirming he will again attempt to win the Melbourne Cup while he will also be at Flemington for Oaks Day and for Champions Day. I've achieved all there is to achieve in horse racing 
and have a fantastic career, but the Lexus Melbourne Cup has always been run race that I would love to win. The Tory 52 has ridden more than uh, 200 and 50 Group 1 winners across a glittering career, but he's never been able to secure a Melbourne Cup in 19 attempts. His first ride in the Melbourne <laughs> Cup 93 aboard Drum Taps, the same year that International Raider Vintage Crop made history, becoming the first international horse to win the Cup. He's since had 17 attempts to try and win it. Um, with Central Park, we're in second 99. Max Dynamite, second 2015 and Master Reality. Second 2099, the 2023 Melbourne Cup Carnival will carry more than 30 million in prize money across the four days of racing. And as we know, mate, the racing yeah. in Melbourne Cup Day, the first Tuesday of the month, is always something to look forward to. I'm pretty sure we'll pick a winner on those days too, Izzy. And that's our grab your mates and get on course. Visit events.loveracing.nz to find a race day near you. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Good morning, Izzy Kempi for breakfast, SCNZ, just after 7 o'clock. We appreciate you tuning in, Double eight, double three. Temper bed post text machine 0800 on our phone line if you want to have your say. Right now, we're going to cross over to the north and catch up with Sean Edwards, French rugby defence coach and Champion League player with 466 games for Wigan and 36 for Great Britain. He has been a pioneer in terms of the way that teams defend right now, and he's going to join our show. Sean Edwards, good morning, good afternoon, good night to you over there in the north. Bonjour. Bonjour to Ça va? Ça va, mec? <laughs> Sorry, mate. I spent a month over there traveling around the south, and all that's the only word I learned, Sava. And then I'm lost after that. But, Sean, mate, we appreciate you coming on the show. You're a busy man. How you been, mate? The French rugby is finally wrapping up. Um, have you enjoyed the season? You've seen enough from what's at your disposal right now in terms of French rugby? Yeah, I mean, well, like any other team, you know, you're, you're hoping you're. Mm. Your starting players are going to be fit and available. Um, obviously, a lot of them are having the recuperation uh, time at the moment. So, you know, we start um, our first training camp on Saturday. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's in Monaco, so I don't know how the training will be at first, but anyway, we'll give it a go. But no, seriously, <laughs> um, we've got two weeks together, and then we've got a week break, and then it's all systems go for the World Cup after that. Hey Sean, it's Kempi, mate. Thanks a lot for joining Izzy, Izzy and myself on breakfast this morning. Mate, the uh, the transition that you've had through rugby league into into rugby union, um, just how did how did that all come about? Um, well, what it was, uh, I had a son who lived in London, and uh, I, I got a few offers from rugby league clubs in the north uh, to become a coach. I, I had no job for a year and a half when I first finished playing, and. Uh, it was a difficult time, like a lot of guys when you first finish playing rugby, rugby league, professional, or rugby union. Um, it was a difficult time, but yeah, um, I wanted to live in London so I could be uh, do, my, do my number one job, which is uh, even more important than rugby, which is being the dad. Hey, Sean, 
in terms of defence, um, when when you think about defence and the way that teams are bringing a lot of line speed now, you were the pioneer, and yeah. you're pretty much one that they brought that into the into the uh, threshold into the picture right now with the way that teams are defending. Is there is there something that uh, teams are trying at the moment? Like how are you trying to stay ahead of of, of the pack in terms of defence, mate? Because teams have seen a lot of line speed now, and they're trying to come up with new ways yeah. to attack this line speed, but they're still str- struggling with it. Well, uh, the thing is, you, you have to remember that there's never been as many points scored in international rugby as there is at the moment. You know, it's regular to see a game of. 30 points to 26, you know. So, number one, there is a lot of points being scored. A lot of them from malls, a lot of them from pick and goes, etc. And um, obviously, you know, once you get in the 22, it's incredibly difficult to stop a team from scoring. Um, But you have to to give it your best shot. And obviously, Mm. to do that, is to pressurise the ball as much as possible, you know, on the floor with with the jackling. Hey Sean, you talked about the importance of players remaining on the pitch. We've just had our our super final down here on Saturday night. The Crusaders they played the Chiefs, uh, and we and we yeah, lost. I watched it. I watched it. Mate. I watched yeah, it. We, we lost a couple of players in the in the final. What what did you think of the final and and where New Zealand rugby is at the moment? I think um, I watched the semi final as well um, when the, the Blues who uh, played very well all year. The Blues and. Unfortunately, you know, they just came into a Red Ox uh, Crusaders team, didn't they, in the semi-final. Um, <clears throat> absolutely Red Ox. It was an incredible performance from the Crusaders. Um, final, I mean, for the Crusaders to go away from home in a final and win, it just shows the quality that they have, um, both physically, mentally and tactically. Sean, when you're coming up against a, a team that, that brings a lot of line speed, and you're trying to, um, you know, nullify that and, and get on top of it. What, what needs to happen? What, what do you need from an attacking point of view? I know you don't want to share, but that is the biggest question now because teams are bringing a lot of heat and teams are struggling to, to deal with it. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh, t- just, just, you know what I mean? Like, out of a job here, boys. What are you on about? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Sean, share, share, share your secrets, mate. You're the, you're, the most, you're the most wanted man. In world rugby, and I want to hear because teams are still still struggling with it. Yeah, uh, I don't know the French guys who pay me okay, so I, I'll, I'll keep, I think I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I, I, uh, oh, I knew that too. Oh, I knew. Mate, the, 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 coaches, the top coaches in the world are pretty smart guys. Very yeah, very smart yeah. guys, both in the northern and southern hemisphere. And uh, you know, there is they are finding ways to to definitely score tries because, as I said. There's never been as many points scored in international rugby as there is at the moment. Hey, Sean, I'll, I'll ask the question in a different way. Um, as a coach, a coach to coach, <laughs> as a as an as a defensive coach, how important is it to have a really good offensive coach um, alongside oh, you that understands huge. what defenses what defenses are, are actually doing? Absolutely, and you, you remember the, the the attack helps the defence, but why? Oh, by keeping the ball. So, obviously, you don't have to defend then. And then the defence helps the attack by creating the turnovers of the rook, putting pressure on the opposition, keeping the opposition high as possible. And, and as everybody knows, the kicking game, because you do have to kick in international rugby because, you know, the defensive players are at a high level. You know, 
it's a little bit different to what it was when I first came into into the rugby union, where I'd say you'd have three or four specialist jacklers. No, I reckon you have nine or ten people who can all compete very well on the ball, you know, whether that be in a back or a forward. So the game has changed a bit uh, over the years since, since I've been involved, and you have to try to continue to uh, to move with that, and hopefully to be one step ahead. All right, Sean. You're not giving me much, and I'm going to ask you this question. What would you say? <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to people out there that are hating the way that teams are defending? I know New- World Rugby have been constantly trying to come up with ways to not allow teams to bring a lot of heat off the line. What would you say to the way uh, that the game is I, going? I, I, Defense is hugely important, isn't it? I think I think defense can be very very exciting. You know, if you're gaining ground in defence, and uh, if, um, and also the thing, if you do have line speed, it also opens it up for an interception. So, interceptions for me is a pretty exciting thing uh, in a game of rugby, and it should be encouraged yeah. because it does break the game up and 100 percent, and it's virtually impossible to defend it in interception. Sean Ricardo here. I just wanted Which New Zealand were absolutely brilliant at last year. I remember a couple of years ago we played New Zealand in, in Paris. And I was on to the guys because New Zealand are absolutely fantastic because they're natural-born rugby players. They play touch when they're young guys, mm. etc. The natural, a lot of them, are, obviously, they improve with the coaching, etc. And, you know, they have uh, good stringent formations, etc. But a little thing like a, it's very hard to coach an interceptor person to be a great interceptor. Naturally, it comes from playing touch and stuff like that when they're young kids. Sean, where is... That's why New Zealand were absolutely brilliant at intercepts at that time. Sean, where is the join uh, between a defensive coach and the uh, and the attack coach, right? So, you know, when you, when you, uh, you talk about being uh, offensive on defence and driving the opposition back when they've got the ball, how do you guys work that out? What take, uh, Who takes over where? I mean, you have offensive situations in training, then you have defensive situations, and you have to remember, you know, um, not to concentrate too much on one or the other. And, and naturally, you know, the, the attack coach normally has a little bit more time than the defensive coach normally, because he has a little bit more to cover. Because you know, the, he has to be creative with the with the launches from lineouts, from scrums, etc. And obviously with counter attacks as well, but also you know aerial skills is a huge part of the game at the moment as well. So there's a lot to practice there, and a lot to fit into what normally is like an hour and hour and a quarter, hour and twenty ses- session. But we managed to do it, and um, the, the also thing is not to overcoach as well because um, you can also at times give too much information. Sean, what's the what's the feel like in in the north in France at the moment? I was over in April and. It was... It was slowly simming away. We're a couple of months out from the World Cup, but we're getting so close to it now, mate. What's the feel like on on the ground? Everyone, it's excited to rip into a big rugby World Cup. Obviously, yeah. I mean, it's an absolutely beautiful country and a great, mm. great place to visit. You know, um, you know, beautiful wine and the people are, you know, very, very welcoming, etc. There's different cities. You know, you go down the south where I live. I live near Perpignan. I live near the beach in Perpignan, and uh, oh. and there, or you can go, to, or you can go to Paris or Toulouse, different places. It's a very, very beautiful place. You be, you become. I tell you, you know, it's been outstanding to I'll me. I tell you one thing, Sean. One thing I noticed over there, 
as everyone is very, very confident. Bit of pressure on you, my friend. Well, well, you know what? I mean, you, you have to accept that. But what, what, I, what I have to have to do is mm. um, just, just to prepare the team to the best for control what I can control. I have no control of other people's mm. opinions or whether we're the favourites mm. or not the favourites, etc. You know, I have no control over that whatsoever. All I, I do have a control over is how well I prepare the team with my fellow coaches mm. and fitness staff uh, for the for the for the big tournament. Hey, Sean, concentrate I've got... on what concentrate on what, what you can control. And and try not to get that money taken off you that the French are paying you by telling us too much. Hey, um, <laughs> hey, Sean, I, I just gonna I just gonna ask you. You've been around for a long time, and and. You know, you went through the early 2000s and you came up against a, an all-black by the name of Israel Dag. What was your defensive <laughs> strategies when Israel was carrying the football? Was he like a tough player or did you say hey, just bash him? That there was no system. There was no system could hold that guy, mate. He was just incredible. <laughs> man, I played what horrible, get you what buggers. What did you do? What did you do? I what played happened, horrible. What happened to Israel? Anyway, did, is, he, is he around much? <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, here, he's, here, he's here trying to get some information I'll tell you what happens you. to me mate I've got 10 kilos heavier and I've got one leg I've just had a knee operation I'm horrible at the moment but I'll be back Yeah, yeah you come back mate And up to me <laughs> Doing fasting's good Beautiful, all good Hey Sean, just before we let you go uh, Our can't wait question of the day Has been, is soup a meal? What's your take? Well, obviously that's a huge, huge question and something we can deliberate for hours and hours over. <laughs> but for me, I said soup is a meal. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> good, good old Wigan boy. Hey, Sean, thanks a lot for joining us uh, this morning on Izzy and Kepi for breakfast. Cheers, Sean. All the best. Thanks for giving us nothing this morning about <laughs> yeah, thanks, the French. <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll stay in touch, mate. We'll talk again soon. Got my too, mate. See you, mate. Sean Edwards, what a legend. Uh, so there you go. You've heard it from the man himself from Wigan. Soup is a meal. That's what I took out of that. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> yeah. When as he was asking those questions, I was going, he's a, he actually thinks he's been interrogated. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, was, I feel quite bad, but I was like, mate, tell us. Look, honestly, here's a name that has been thrown out of a lot in terms of the way that teams are defending now. He is very, very good at his job. And it's the biggest challenge at the moment. Look, there's all these formulas that people come up with. You've got to be brave. You've got to really embrace the blind pressure, run inside shoulders. You've got to just slow your feet down and things like that. But um, on, on the flip side, there's just a lot of teams that are, are making gains on it. But then there's also a teams that are really struggling, and particularly with Ireland and, and France, because Ireland... Bring a lot of line speed too of Andy Farrell. And, but they've got a really different uh, way that they play the game, particularly on phase attack. It usually comes from 10, Johnny Sexton. He runs across. He's got their unders line running a cart. And they've got players in emotion. And and they usually attack it really well. So uh, it, was, it was interesting in, in hearing from, from Sean. And that's the challenge now. Like World Rugby are trying to come up with ways to stop this, this line speed. But the way that rugby's been played, there's a lot of points being scored. So teams are getting smarter and, and more clever with their approach. And I was just, yeah, I was wondering, like, how do you stay ahead of the game in terms of defensively? Mm. You know, little systems that he's come up, little intricacies that he's trying to add to his, his game. But he wouldn't say it, and I'm, I don't blame him.
Yeah, and and it's no, it's you know, no surprise both him and Andy Farrell coming out of Wigan that those defensive strategies, you know, Wigan Wigan ha- holding so many titles through those years when those two players were playing for them, um, and are doing so well. And I think I think you know some of the answers to that question is he is a, is around the importance of understanding offense. You know, because he's come out, basically what he said is he's come out and he said there's a lot of points being scored in international rugby now and you've got to keep the players on the football field. And when I'm looking at that and analysing those comments from Sean Edwards, I'm th- I'm thinking like across the board your, your um, importance of having your structure intact for the whole 80 minutes is really important. So, you know... Losing the likes, and you look at the 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 Sinbin on the on the weekend, for instance, losing players throughout the year in rugby is going to be really um, costly mm. when you go into that World Cup, and that's what he's saying. Like the the teams that will be successful at the World Cup are the teams that can keep their players on the football field. Yeah, and you know, to yep. you what, you hark back to Saturday night, and boy, I mean, fourteen men for thirty minutes of the of the eighty for the Chiefs. How costly was that in the end? Oh, huge, huge! Imagine if they had you know thirty minutes with, with less players, and when those players went off, the Crusaders scored two rolling more tries. So it just yeah, it comes down. You need your players on the field, and and you need your best players to be a part of that. And, but we know World Cups, lads. They're going to be injuries. It's going to be a next man up mentality. That's just the way it goes. It's such a difficult and and physical tournament. Eight weeks, you got to be on your money. If you're going to go and win that tournament, it is tough, man. It is long, and you're away from family, your own hotel. It's it takes a lot. This is the French just to, French rugby's to lose, I reckon. Well, I was just going to Monaco for two weeks. Come on, Flip. wow! <laughs> I was just looking at the uh, at the odds actually at the TAB uh, for Paul A, the Paul A winner. France a dollar eighty favourites. New Zealand a dollar ninety. So that that's uh, it's not much in it, but they do have. They do have the uh, the hosts as slight favourites. Which, if if that comes out, then we'd have to play the winner of uh, the group of South Africa and Ireland in it. And tell you what, I would not be surprised if we coming home after the quarterfinal. Oh, don't say that, Rick Dog. Don't say that. But mate, it's too early to get him started, hard. Rick Dog. After the Crusaders win, <laughs> no, it's it's gonna be it's a hard side of the draw. We know that the other side is a lot easier, but. Some good sides are going, are going to be leaving early. And, and that's the hard thing about, that's the harsh reality of it. But, mate, French rugby is thriving at the moment. I don't know if you saw that La Rochelle-Toulouse game. Man, it was such a good game. And uh, Intermax scored that last try. And, and so they're score. only going to get strong. You know, the English uh, English rugby, they don't have the money. As we talked to Nick Evans, they're, they're dealing with about half the money that the French clubs are dealing with. Uh, they got. But do they not have the money? Have you Did you see this, the, the bonuses that you get, they're getting? Hundred thousand pounds for the players going to the Rugby World Cup. The RFU would have Eng- the money. English yeah. players. Yeah. The RFU have a lot of money. What does that say to to, to the clubs? Well, obviously, there's a lot of separate, you know, agendas there. Mm. But when these players are going to the World Cup and pool play, they're getting a hundred thousand pounds plus. If they go on to win it, they're getting a lot more. It's crazy. It's great. Yeah, I mean, we talked to Nick Evans. Remember we talked to Nick Evans the other day. He talked about the the difference in the in the budgets between the the French clubs and the English clubs. So the the, the clubs are operating on about half what the, uh, the 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 French clubs, and so the French are just getting stronger. The Japanese are getting stronger. I see Sia Khaleesi's off to France to racing ninety two mm. um, after after the uh, the club season that's just finished down there. So yeah. It's, uh, it's certainly France is going to be the place to be. It's going to be the premier rugby competition in the world. The way things are tracking. 
Yeah, that is. It is such a good watch. And, um, mate, no surprises. You look at Toulouse and you look at their sponsors, Ricardo. They've got Airbus and they've got all these major companies from around the world. They've got just the backing. They've got backing behind them, which is other other unions, other teams just don't have that pull power. So, yep, no surprises everyone's going to France at the moment. No, no surprises there at all. Uh, keep your texts coming through. Double eight, double three. This one from Shane on our Can't Wait question of the day. I had a broken jaw and had to eat soup for just over a month. Now I hate it, but I did lose 15 kilos during that time. I've since found it again. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for that, Shane. Uh, appreciate your text. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. When we come back, Kempi is off the back fence. Run, don't walk. Versace Pour Own 100 mil is only seventy nine ninety nine, but only at Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Fence with Tony Kemp. So I'm pondering again, why is it when our teams lose that we automatically look at the referees? Why is it that we decide that referees should be held accountable for the ultimate result? Of course, I'm the first to empathise that it's very confronting when decisions all the rubber the green don't appear to go our way. However, after the last week in a sport, one would think that referees are fair game once again. Some of us clearly think that it's okay to unleash viral trolling on them. And of course, as keyboard warriors, there's no consequence for this virtual whatsoever. So let's take a look at the two instances. First, Ben O'Keefe. Seriously, after Chiefs season dominating a competition and then falling short at the last hurdle, fans decide that it was the ref's fault. How bloody predictable. And to make things worse, all of these trolls have no concern for Ben's mental health. Come on, New Zealand. We have to be better than this. And look over the Tasman at serial offender Reese Walsh. He has probably put a nail in his selection for the last origin because of his tirade towards the referee. In today's game, there is no place for such attacks. I hope they throw the book at Reese and stamp that shit out of the game for both his sake and ours. The question for me is what can we do to stop the ever-increasing problem where referees are fair game for anyone to attack. If we can't stop the blame game at the source, then we are in for a hell of a future where no one will want to referee our games. And that will grind the game to a halt completely. What next? Body monitors and AI refs? Time to stop the rot. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Love it, Kempi, because the reality is this of this, we're struggling to entice, encourage referees to ref our game already. And when this happens, like opinions are important. We know that. We love that. That's why we're on the radio show and we want to hear from you and, and your opinions are important. He acknowledged there were some good decisions in that performance, but he said he could have done a lot better. And there was other decisions where he, he wished he, well, he can't turn back the clock and, and change those decisions. But he is human. And refereeing is a difficult task at the best of time when there's pressure on external and, and noise and everything's going on. But to attack him personally and have safety um, and fears for his safety, like some of those comments, if you go on, he came out yesterday and he broke his silence and he said, look, I, I'm, I'm past this now where these things don't affect me. But when you go and zoom into a couple of those comments saying I'll stomp on your head and I can't wait to see you and, you know, fears for his, and targeting his family, Oh, that is an absolute cowardly way to go about it. And I was absolutely disgusted from what I was reading. Yes, we have 
things to say and you know in the heat of the moment you say some things you regret I've been on that side of it Brendan Pickerel when I abused them out on the field and then afterwards I had to apologize to him because it was absolutely horrible what I did in the heat of the moment but to attack him personally and his family and, and the safety behind it it's it's an absolute no-no so mate oh, yeah it's it's something that's annoyed me for the last couple of days you know like Ben O'Keefe a man that's been put in the middle to go out there and referee and get in those sorts of comments. Some of them were pretty horrible. Mm, yeah, there, I mean, there were some terrible comments there. And I think a lot of it starts with the coaches and starts with the players. They have to yeah. set the standard, I think. Um, and, you know, we saw this because Ben O'Keefe actually mentioned it. He was talking about uh, the guy, was it Anthony Taylor, who refereed the Europa League yeah, final? walking through the airport. And work, walking through the airport. Now, he walked through the airport. That was off the back of all that footage being released of Jose Mourinho giving him abuse in the car park oh, yeah, after the yeah. game. And that was just a carry-on. And that, you know, those people are grown people, grown men, and they, they should know better than to do what they did. But Mourinho doing what he does... For some people, feel like it gives them a license. Just fuel in the fire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I look. I personally, I think it needs to be cut off at the at the head. You know what I mean? So players, coaches, like officials, anyone that attacks a referee is, is starting the the ripple effect, and then it, then it becomes normal for the for the public to attack them. Then they, you know, the one when it goes on oh, that now it's going to my family. Mate, I would be surprised if Ben O'Keefe's wife doesn't even watch rugby. The kids don't even know what rugby is. You know what I mean? You, when you start taking it outside that realm, I mean, you, you need to have a, a decent look in the mirror. And the other part about it too, like I'm not joking um, when I say body monitors and AI referees, like they'll have sensors eventually because no referees will ref that you'll run around in a jersey and then I'll just stop playing and say that's a penalty. You know, they'll have they'll have all this. Or then you've got what we <laughs> we've got a full time bunker in the middle of the park. Stopping every single play, it's it'll just ruin. If we don't have referees, it'll ruin the game. They've taken enough off them as it is. You take that human element out of the middle of the park, then we've mm. then it's not called rugby no more. It's not called league. Nicely said, Kempi. Uh, that's uh, also what uh, John has said on the text line double eight double three. Bloody well said, Kempi. The only human Chris has, uh, has has brought this up, and that's probably a fair point. He said, "I'd argue you're not preaching to the guilty people on this avenue, Kempi. Yeah, it's not okay to carry on and abuse anyone. But hey, you guys had Nick Evans on the other day, and in your interview, you referenced 07 and Wayne Barnes, and you guys all just laughed about it. We didn't reference that situation. We referenced the game that he lost. I didn't bring up Nicky, uh, Wayne Barnes and, and talk about their forward pass he missed. No, no. No, you didn't. Chris. No, that's true. No. That's true. But no, we didn't reference that decision. And I said, Journey, yep. opinion, opinions are important. You know, the decision making out there, we can have a a, a debate about that. Hundred percent. Not shying away from that opportunity. But I'm talking about when you're directing horrible comments at him about his safety, stomping on his head, and saying his, that you know I can't wait to see you out in the public and and get you. That's what I'm talking about, Chris. And his well, family we as well. I. The, yeah, the family. We can debate the decisions on the field. Yes, that forward pass over there that Wayne Barnes-Smith, 100%. The decision out there when he missed the forward pass in that game on the weekend, which was a forward pass, we can debate that. But when you're getting direct with his family and trying to go at him and his personal safety, that's not on, Chris. 100%. That's not on at all. It is uh, 25 away from 8 here on SENZ. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, your real house of fragrance. Time to catch up with Araha, the latest in news from Kubota. Together we are building and shaping New Zealand.
Apparently, that is one of the top five songs at rugby grounds in New Zealand, uh, which just makes me think you should be ashamed of yourself, New Zealand. That's terrible. Uh, anyway, here are some sports headlines <laughs> for you. Uh, number one draft pick, Victor Wembanyama, has decided not to play for France at the FIFA World Cup and instead will focus on preparing for his rookie season with the San Antonio Spurs and next year's Paris Olympics. This is a reversal from what he had previously stated for plans for the summer and as a blow to the French who are the current Olympic silver medalists and were planning on being a serious contender for the world title in August and September in the Philippines. Wimbanyama is still planning to play in at least some of the Spurs summer league games in July but he said it would not be realistic in terms of my development and not prudent in terms of health. I hope people will understand. It's frustrating for me too. The France team is central for me. I want to win as many titles as possible with the team, but I think it's a necessary sacrifice. He made that interview with L'Equipe and said that uh, he came, the decision came after he and the Spurs medical people had a discussion about what he was, the volume of games Spurs he was going to be said playing, you're not playing over the next two years. So there you go. He's not going to be playing. I tell you what, the US surreptitiously uh, uh, eliminating your position. There's a guy, I'm trying to remember, I think he plays at the Nets, Italian guy. Oh, all of a sudden, he's going to be playing for the US. He's what about the, the Kiwi US guy? Team. What about the Kiwi guy that's playing and can't play for New Zealand? Yeah, well, there you go. There's another one, mate. There's another one. Uh, so, yeah, there we go. There's a, there's a few that are out. A few that are out. Craig Brown, the latest man to take Scotland, uh, the last man, I should say, to take Scotland to the World Cup finals, has died at the age of 82. He was the nation's longest-serving manager and charged for 71 games from 93 to 2001, qualified Scotland for the Euros in 96 and the World Cup in 1998 as well. Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson described him as a thoroughly wonderful man. He said Craig and I had been friends since school, uh, since the Scotland school team in 1958, and with Craig as captain. When I was given the honour of managing Scotland at the World Cup in Mexico, there was one man I had to take with all his attributes and knowledge, and that was Craig. In an industry of question, that questions a man's capabilities, he never wavered in that situation, always kept his head and his composure. So rest in peace, Craig Brown, the last man to take Scotland to a football World Cup. Those are your sports news headlines here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Kennard's higher, too easy weekend, two days higher for the price of one. Visit a branch today. T's and C's apply. Nice, nice, Rick Dog. A couple, couple more texts come through, boys. Uh, not so, not uh, we, we seem to have le- left the soup chat behind. Uh, but <laughs> uh, Doug has said, "Wow, Israel, not Izzy. I liked it. Real passion, mate. I want more of it." There you go. <laughs> oh, mate, not often I get fired up, but um. Look, I, I understand the passion and people uh, with refereeing decisions, and that's why we're here. Come and have your voice, your your opinion, and some decisions that were made out there. He fronted it, and that's okay. And but when you attack them personally and and your directive with your comments, you know, yeah. like uh, some of those things were oh, just absolutely disgusting. Wouldn't it, Kempi? Like I just couldn't believe what I was reading. Well, yeah, it, what I'm, what it is. Look, you you can't make things personal. Um, nah. So it's performance against personal attack. So you can have an opinion on a performance. So we, we're used to that as high-performing athletes, as high-performing coaches and whatever we've been. You're used to being um, challenged on your performance. And that, and that part of it is fine. But when you make it personal, when you say, you know, I want to stomp on your head, like you're, you're, you're a pillock. At the, at the best of days, you're a keyboard warrior that's just you know ranting and carrying on, and that's not okay. 
um, and I, and I don't really I don't really care how you try and dress dress it up, but it's abuse, and you can't do that. But you can have an opinion on someone's performance. That's what we do. If a referee's performance or a player's performance is not good enough, they they generally go to second grade. That's what happens. But it doesn't give you a right to say things about him and his family or pick a chair up in an airport and throw it at him. That's just that's just not right. It's quite black and white. This text come through on double eight double three from Matt. Boys, I feel the abuse towards Ben was through frustration at the system. The layman can't follow the rules. The refs are implementing the rules on the field, sometimes poorly as they are too complex. The release valve for the fans is frustration is the refs. And that, that's the key. That's the key right there too, uh, Ricardo Kempi. The referees get told the areas they really need to referee. So on the weekend, I feel like it was the rolling away, clearing the ball, so the the balls sped up and they can get the ruck sorted. So I, I feel like that was a, a part of the game that was refed thoroughly. But when you're focused on something so much, you know your your focus narrows in. There are so many things going on out there. So many decisions you've got to make. Of course, you're going to miss the old one. And that's when the ARs come in. And that forward pass, that was the ARs decision. He was right there. Angus Gardner was standing right in line. He should have pulled that up 100%. But, yeah, look, they're never going to get everyone right. And they're going to make decisions out there that are going to be costly. We know that. 2007, when Wayne Barnes missed the forward pass, it's costly. It has a huge impact on us. And we are spitting tax. But um, the reality is you're not going to get everyone right. And we need to start – like we're on here because weeks ago, you know, the Warriors were getting the bad rub of the green. You know what I mean? And we're like, they need to be dropped. They need to go and look at their game. That is all part and parcel of high-performing sport. If they don't perform, you're going to go and, and, and you're going to go down to a lower level to find your form again. But it's the personal attacks that, that can't be – that can't carry on. And, look, this has been going on for years, Ricardo, Kempi. Like, play, people out there, keyboard warriors we talk about, I get abused all the time. It's all part of it. I get a bit of accountability for it. I think they should like, Is there totally laws be. in place? Is there laws in place when you're threatening someone's life? Well, they're looking at it more in England, right? They're having lots of problems with this with mm. footballers being racially abused in England. And they've actually just jailed somebody for it mm. um, for the first time. Mm. So, you know, I think that's something that we will see. And I think it comes down to, I know Twitter is big on verification, you know, but that's a, that's a financial decision for Elon Musk. But maybe that is the way. Uh, that is the way forward is that you have to be completely tied and approved as to who you are on social media so that uh, you're accountable for your actions. Uh, Paul has called through on 0800 150 G'day, Paulie. How's uh, the far north today? Yeah, beautiful uh, beautiful day today, mate. Yep. Um, just listening to your conversation. Uh, I've been a Warriors member for a long time now, and trust me, uh, when it comes to referees over the years, decisions... You know, there's been times when there's almost been a glass thrown through the TV screen, but um, you know, like you, you guys are saying, you know, um, there's no excuse for threatening someone's life or uh, attacking their family. Um, mm. But, yeah, so, I mean, one thing that did kind of uh, blow my mind yesterday on another station, they were talking about this topic, people were ringing up, and rather than talk about the, the vile behaviour, they were talking about his decisions and, and you know, trying to, uh, trying to um, you know, blame, you know, it, it was almost like they, they were justified in, in, in some of those comments where, where there's absolutely no excuse for it. 
So you're saying they were, they were saying the decision that they made on the field were justified from those comments he was getting on <laughs> on his social media. Nothing can justify what those people were saying, stomping on the heads no, or anything no, like well, that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was basically, you know, um, you know, it was an opportunity to discuss, you know, the, the vile comments, but rather than people coming up, ringing and, and talking about those and giving it to those trolls, they were talking about the decisions, the refereeing decisions, and... It was kind of like, well, it's kind of okay, but um, hey, you know, down in Syphilis City, mate, you know, maybe, you know, <laughs> that's, you know, it's, it's just terrible, mate. <laughs> poorly, poorly, poorly. Take it, on, take it on the chin and move on, I think. Thank you for, thanks for your call, Paul. Really appreciate it. It's 14 away from eight. Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred one five zero. That's how you reach us here. Is he keep me for breakfast? <laughs> it is pretty much to what those people were doing. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> Paul, God. We'll be back after this. Get winter ready with Blackmore's Bio C1150 tablets from Chemist Warehouse, now only $31.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. It's eight away from eight double eight double three is the temper bed post text line. Uh, there is laws in place in Australia now uh, because Erin Molan was part of making it happening after copying abuse while doing the NRL show. We need accountability here. That's from Goose. Thank you, Goose. Scott, these people have never put their hand up and stood up to ref a game. No ref, no game. Send these people in the middle and see how they go from Scott to Tarangi. And this one from Aaron Leppard. Morning, lads. I'm a rugby referee at club level, and the biggest issue I have is that people on the sideline don't know the laws. I bet if you ask those keyboard warriors some of the rules, they would have no idea. That's it. Right there and there. Understanding the rules, what's what takes place, and put yourself in their shoes as well. And accountability, that's... Probably the biggest thing. This has been going on for years, social media abuse, and particularly it's a, it's rife in our in our young generation. And and the worst thing about this, and you would hate this at home if you've written one of these comments. If the unthinkable happens and this person can't take it, can't take it, and they it is big in, in the younger generation when they go doing the unthinkable. What I'm going about to say is take their own life because mm-hmm. they can't handle what you've said. You know, like. There has to be some accountability, and I hope we can see it. And the worst thing is, is these players, uh, these people, they, they do it on burner accounts. So they're not even fronting their comments. They're doing it behind a, a fake account. If you're going to put something out there, front it with who you are as, as a person and yeah. be prepared for some consequences. Not too. on. Not on at all. Keep your texts coming through. Brenton, take the ref out of the game by just not breaking the laws. That's that. That's another idea. That's another idea. That's a, that's a great idea. I remember we were playing Australia, you know, and you'd like just take the ref out of the game. How do you do that? You take an extra step at the breakdown, so you're on side. You know, like if the, if it's not a hundred percent opportunity, get out of that ruck, roll away. Like you can take the ref out of the game, so he doesn't have to make those decisions. But um. Plenty of debate going on. Plenty of debate. Plenty more texts. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. We will get to all of your texts through uh, the rest of the show. Coming up after eight o'clock, Sir Graham Henry is going to join us. We'll also talk basketball as well before nine o'clock right now. It is six away from eight on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Open 
Good morning, Izzy Kempi for breakfast, SENZ just after 8 o'clock, Tuesday already, plenty of passion coming through on the Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight, double three in regards to what went on on Saturday night and the reaction to Ben O'Keefe um, breaking his silence over yesterday. So we're going to have a chat to Sir Graham Henry shortly, but keep those messages coming through and no doubt we'll rip through them after we have a chat to Ted, who has got up nice and early, no doubt. Uh, Kempe, want to intro Teddy? Well, he doesn't really need any introductions, does he, uh, no. Sir Graham Henry? He's done it all and been there and got not only one T-shirt, a thousand of them, and he's joining us this morning to talk about uh, what's coming up, which is the World Cup. We're only a, a couple of months out from it. Good morning, Ted. How are you this morning? Very well, Kempe. Thank you. Hello, Izzy. Hello, Coach. Hey, gun. Going good. good. Going good, mate. Good to see you uh, on the news last night. Let's talk about that. What were you up to up in the far north and the work you're doing in community rugby? Oh, rugby for life. Brilliant program. Involved with 15 clubs so far and increased participation by 30%. 30%. So rugby for life. Brilliant program. Yeah, good work, good work, Ted. I'm up there. I'm up that way too, and kitty kitty. But Ted, so if you need if you need another voice or a set of hands to carry some footballs around, give us a yell. Um, you got? Have you got that boat there with the fishing? <laughs> there's, there's plenty, there's, don't worry, there's plenty of that. And if you want to come let's on, get to the serious, let's get to the serious stuff. Yeah, no, well, don't worry. Just give us a call. We'll sort all that out. No worries at all. Hey, we've we've just uh, we've just witnessed the Super Rugby um, final, which is another a fantastic uh, effort by the Crusaders down there, uh, seven in a row. Have you been happy with the the state of rugby this year going into the World Cup, uh, Sir Graham? Yeah, I think it's been pretty good. I, I just think there's been a few... Right, the, the, it was a huge game in the weekend and two very good sides. Um, and you just have to enjoy it and, um, you know, you take your hat off to the Crusaders. What they've achieved there is remarkable. That's seven in a row, is it? Um, that's just unbelievable. But, you know, you, you also give a huge credit to the Chiefs who uh, have developed into a very strong side. They just haven't got finals experience yet. Um, like the Crusaders come through because I guess they've been there and done it and uh, knew what was required and they had the leadership on the field that had been through that experience before. So, yeah, great game. Um, but to me, Super Rugby, too many mismatches. Uh, the, the sides are too uneven. Uh, so you've got probably a half a dozen sides at the top who are pretty strong and half a dozen sides at the bottom who are not so strong and that's not ideal for a, a major competition. Uh, Ted, when you're heading into a World Cup and you touched on it, like, what does Super Rugby set us up for going forward? Uh, are we going to be prepared enough to head to the World Cup with a lot of rugby under our belt? Or do you reckon we're underprepared with only being able to play the Pacific Islands and Australia? Yeah, we're probably missing the South Africans and that's probably the reason why we've got this uneven competition at the moment. But um, and playing South Africa is is good for our our development, and because they play a different style, the Aussies and the Kiwis seem to play pretty similarly. Um, the Springboks very much about forward domination, big kicking game, uh, that sort of thing. So we probably we probably have, are underprepared in that situation, but I think we've got a hell of a good squad and a very good group of players who who I think will do well.
Ted, tell us a little bit about that style. You know, like you, you, we're down here in the Pacific enjoying the the flamboyancy of it, the, just the way that our our kids grow up and, and love having the football on hand, and then they get up to the Northern Hemisphere. What 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 are you expecting when they get up there? As far as I guess, there's a couple of styles. One, the the way. Um, and the systems that the, the French and the Irish and the English will run, but and secondly, the refereeing. Is there a difference in the style of refereeing that we, we can expect to be different as well? Well, there shouldn't be. Uh, they're meant to be all refereeing the same game with the same uh, the same views in mind. Um, you know, so they're, they're all in one, one group, all coached by and given help by a similar group of people. So they should be all on the same page. I guess, you know, growing up in a different country gives them a different view of the game, so there's going to be a slight difference there, but it should be pretty consistent. The rules are the rules. The biggest problem with rugby is it's a wee bit too complicated, as you saw on Saturday night. So uh, getting the decisions right all the time is, is virtually impossible. And um, so that's the, comp- that's the difficulty of the game, in my opinion, is that they need to make it less complicated throw the rule book away and start again and make it a lot simpler uh, so can everybody can understand. Yeah, I think that's a fair shout, Ted. I think that's what's going on, and I think everyone's um, well really agreeing with what your comments are saying. They're coming through on the text machine. But there's been concern for size, particularly with this all-black squad, knowing the size that we're going to be facing up in the north. Has that always been one of our Achilles heels uh, within New Zealand rugby, and how do we counter that size factor? How would you like to see this team go up in the north and play? <laughs> We're not going to change the size overnight, are we, fellas? But the size issue has no. been, been part of it for forever, and we've been playing the game for 120 years, and the Springboks and the English in particular probably, and the French, are bigger than us. But... That hasn't been a hadn't been a problem in the past. Um, you know, we've we've been up there and probably been the best in the world most of the time, more than anybody else. So it hasn't been an issue. I just think it's it's the way we play the game, isn't it? We we just need to play our style, our use our DNA, uh, what we're used to playing, and that's that's ball in hand attacking rugby, um, and you know, an astute kicking game, but not over over-kicking game, if you make, if you understand the logic. Um, so, no, I, I think we've, we've had those challenges in the past and overcome them, and we'll need to do that in the future. I think size is just an excuse. We just find, need to find the game that's going to do the business. Hey, Ted, just to, just to, to um, just go back a, back a step here, the, the great um, Auckland side of the 90s and then what, what we've seen the Crusaders uh, do through, I, I guess, Razor's reign, where he's got four championships as a player and seven as a coach. What, what are your, what's your take on Razor Robertson and, and I guess, the future of New Zealand rugby under his reign? Oh, I think he's unique. Um, you know, he's he's doing it a different way, and you've always got to find some some differences. And I think he's done that. You know, I think he's he's quite a quite a unique, a unique individual. I think his ability to connect with people is probably very outstanding. I don't know him particularly well because I've never been in that environment, but that's just my mm. guess. You know, you look at Cody Taylor after the game on the weekend, you know, and I just looked at the guy who'd been through a lot of rugby experiences and his emotion 
just spoke volumes, I think, you know, what that team means to those boys. And and it's been created over 25, 30 years, hasn't it? Um, but um, Ray's has added to that. Uh, he's added to that. And boys are very emotional. They want to do their absolute best for that team. And he's been a major player in creating that environment. So you've got to take your hat off to him. He's, he's done it a different way. Um, Ted, and he's done it superbly. Ted, you were part of that selection panel originally when he first applied for the job. What have you seen in terms of growth from him? And why wasn't he ready back then to be able to take over that role? <laughs> That's a very good question, isn't it? Isn't it eh? um, very searching <laughs> question. Um, <laughs> that was a that was a group decision, and you've got to respect yep. that. So there was a group of five yep. people made that decision. So we move on from that. I think yep. Razor going forward will be pleased that he's had had to go through this this challenge. Mm. I think it's been good for him. Um, you know, he hasn't probably had a huge number of challenges over the years. Things have worked out pretty well for him. And and this business, which I don't want to get into in any great depth, um, has been a difficult situation. Let's get on with it. Um, hope Fozzie has a great year and the All Blacks win the World Cup, and I think they've got a good chance of doing that. And then Razor comes in and takes over, and, and he has his turn. And what he's done in the past has been superb, obviously. Hey, Ted, I'll, I'll ask another question, and, and it's up to you to answer it, but the, the Scooter Stevenson, Scotty Stevenson, like, when you're selecting a player for the All Blacks, and people are telling me, you know, like, he's, you know, they're selecting 5'8s and they're selecting outside backs, and he's probably going to miss out because of the numbers. When you're watching it this year, and you've watched the, the progress of, of this kid, do you think he warrants, or would, if you were a selector, would you, would you have picked him in the team? Yeah, I would have, um, and I said that in another another couple of media interviews. But he's had an outstanding super season. Um, he was he's one of the very unlucky players. I I thought Brad Weber was unlucky too. So mm. there's a couple of guys that I thought had stood out in Super Rugby who haven't been selected in the All Black team. Um, so you know, I guess as you say, um, they'll they'll be using other players to cover fullback. Uh, Will Jordan is obviously one, but the five eights can all play fullback probably. Bodie can play fullback. Damien can play fullback. And I guess that's counted against him. But I felt I felt for him because I think he's done the business. On that, Sir Graham, the the, the selection of guys who are more tens than fullbacks um, at fifteen, we've seen a, t- a trend that way over the last few years. It, it does take away uh, something from the game with the, with the direct running. Where are you on that now? Um, looking at it um, from from outside of the you know the coaching realms, um, an out and out fifteen like a Stevenson or a Jordan or somebody that can be like a dual pivot like a McKenzie or a, or a Barrow. What, what's your preference and what do you th- uh, you know why do you think it's gone that way? Oh, I, I think you know the, the the dual pivot idea comes in late, late in the game. Usually, you know, Damien McKenzie yeah. could be well be that person. Uh, look, I think Will Jordan's the best fullback in the world. Uh, just need to play him there, quite frankly. Um, you know, I, I think he's pretty special, and Stevenson's very special as well. He can't do any more. Um, 
but you've only got 23 in the squad and you're not going to have two fullbacks in the 23 and they're going to have two five-eights and one of them um, could play fullback. And it just depends on how the game's evolving, I guess, of what decision they make uh, in that regard. Um, so that's just the nature of the numbers and how the game pans out. All right, beautiful. I can hear the birds chirping in the back there, Ted. So no doubt you'll be getting on that kayak and heading fishing. Good weather over there in Waiheke at the moment, is it? Oh, we've had the big wet, mate. We've had the big wet, yeah. We've had yeah. the big wet in the North Island, as you probably know. So it's, uh, no, I've been out a couple of times. The second last time I went out there, I lost my cell phone. So I caught a big snapper, <laughs> and it cost me $1,600. <laughs> so I, just, I didn't know how that equates, but it was a nice fish. But, you know, uh, I got too excited and lost my cell phone, you know. There we go. So, no, no, it's been great. Love it here. Raymond and I, have, we're right. very happy in Waiheke. Great people, great environment. You need a special passport, though, guys, you know. I don't know if you two would get in. I don't know if you need a special passport, Ted. Uh, I think you need a special bank account. Uh, oh, no, you can come over for the day, Izzy. We'll look after you. As long as I can use your gold card, get a cheap ferry over. Is that all right? Oh, well, I can't. I, will, I can't do I can't break the law like that, is he? You know? I'm a very law-abiding, upstanding citizen. Hey, Ted, before Izzy gets you off, I've got one question for you. How naughty was Israel Dag in the all-black team? <laughs> oh, he was a superb character, you know? The whole game was... Well, the whole culture was based around Israel Dag. He was the role model. <laughs> huh? he, was, he was superb. There you go, you've heard not after, not after that quarter final, though, Ted. You gave me a little boot up the bum, eh, mate? That's all right, though. We won't have to go there. We don't go there. <laughs> no, I'm sure that's been discussed in the past. We don't need to bring that up again, is he? <laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't. Hey, Ted, quickly, are you coming back for the Black Clash? Are you coaching again? I announced my retirement earlier in the year, so I won't be there for your services. See, that's a huge pity because your your results have been outstanding in that regard in the black flash. You know? I'm, I'm, I don't know how we're going to replace you, mate. Um, anyway, I have to get back to the I have to get back to the drawing board. That's a real blow to the team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not yeah. easy to find good drinks, carriers, is it, Ted? <laughs> All right, boys. I I think we're running out of running out of subjects, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. Well, there you go, yeah. Ted. Thank you very much, no, yeah. Sir Graham Henry. You're a champion, mate. Good Get out talk. there, catch some fish, eh? Give my love to Raywood. Yeah, okay, mate. Okay. <laughs> 19 past eight here on SENZ. Uh, this text comes through. Ted, my man, speaking some sense, what a lad he is. Yes. Um, another one, bring back King Henry. People are loving it. Uh, now, this one came through from Chase, too. Uh, I think alluding to something we were talking about, about size and the All Blacks going up against the Springboks, etc. Hey, lads, Tamaiti Williams is a fairly big lad, eh? That's from Chase and Oyoku. I'd he be is. winding him up. Seriously, if I was on that coaching staff, mm. I'd be winding Tamaiti uh, Williams up. I'd be giving him the, the mongrel card and saying, wait till we get to the French, mate, and you just rip and tear. Rip and tear and make a name for yourself. You know he can make a name for himself in that game, eh, is he? Oh, he can make a name for himself in the whole World Cup, Kempi. I think, oh, oh, look, this is the thing here. What do we do with Tamaiti Williams? The next couple of weeks, they've got a couple of test matches. Do you ease him into it? 
or do you throw them right into the deep end and start them at at, at prop? Mate. Because he's up against Ethan DeGroote, Tyrell Lomax. You he take just, the floaties off and you throw them in. Yeah, yep. get them out there. Take the mate, floaties off, mate. Glimpses. He showed glimpses on that game against the, against the Chiefs, eh? He's very mobile. He's good with the ball in hand, but he hammers players. Oh, and against I'm the Blues. I'm to have a big World Cup. Mm. Yeah, and he's got, and you're dead right. Now, that, that text from Chase there, he's got the size, and he's, mate, if he can get scary, um, mm. and we know what the French are like, they ain't going to back down. I used, used to I used to love that about the French, you know. Like I remember, I remember, I remember going down to Carcassonne that first time we played a test match down there, and they put this French tape on, and it was a French. Mate, they were like kicking and biting and eye gouging and everything. So we knew what we were coming into. First bloke that mm. tackled me had a set to. Way we went. I just was like, mate, you're not touching my eyes. You know what I mean? <laughs> and but you knew what the French are like. So if someone can get into his, his ears now and say, mate, that's what you're coming up with. You've got to dominate that area. I think then to Mighty Williams, mate, this this can make him. Mm. Mm. And I mean, to be fair to Chase too, the times that I've talked about the size being an issue, it's more been around our loose trio rather than our propping stocks. But uh, yeah, get what you're saying. Can you imagine him at, well, at number I was eight. Listening to the, um, I was listening to the breakdown, and Goldie come out and said. He obviously what we're coming up against over in the north that he wouldn't have Artie Savia starting. Yeah, one of our best players in the last couple of years wouldn't have him starting the team because of his lacking in size. He's 102 clicks, and the French and the Irish um, number eight's about 115, 112. So he's losing about 10 to 13 kilos. But then I got I just heard Graham Henry saying, "Are we getting caught up too much in the size factor?" Are we are we going away and trying to play a game a game that we're not? It's not new grounds for us as Kiwis. We've always lacked in size, but we've always had ability to find a way and play our style of game. Is that enough now? Well, I just think last time we played the French up there, it was at the end of, end of season last season. That we just had no go yeah. forward. Like they, they just couldn't break the line. And it's not just Artie. You know what I mean? Like it's like saying leaving Kevin Campion out of the side because he's too light. You know. Yeah. Blokes play way above their weight. Artie doesn't play like a 102-kilo player. If you're saying he's 102 mm. kilos, um, there's no way in the world he plays like that. He's one of the hardest men to tackle. He's a grafter. He's a competitor. And, of course, you'd want him starting on your side. Um, mm. You know, and it's just not about Artie Sevilla. It's about the whole, you know, you add, to, like we're talking about, Tomaiti Williams to the mix. You add Frizzell, get him really angry in that with Sammy Whitelock and and, and Bar- Scotty Barrett, you know what I mean? You know, then you've got um, Geordie Barrett bashing him at second five. Like, it's a collective um, approach, isn't it? it can't, we can't yeah. start singling just one player out. We've got to go in there with a collective strategy. Uh, up against these bigger, tougher, tougher teams, they're going to bring it. We know that. We've just got to match it. Yeah, hundred percent. Double eight, double three. The temper of bedpost text machine. Get your texts coming through. We'll get to more of those after this on Izzy and Kempy for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, your real house of fragrance. Twenty-eight away from nine. Bet on your favourite live sports. Download the TAB app today. Paulie Mawadi joins us from the TAB. Paulie, you've got uh, you got a new market for us as well. You want to dive into? 
Yeah, I'm glad you are. So I was listening to uh, Kempe uh, have a chat with Sue Ted uh, earlier this morning, and uh, <laughs> Kempe, Kempe, <laughs> Kempe was very, very interested in whether why. Why Scotty Sumo Stevenson wasn't selected by the All Blacks? So. <laughs> <laughs> too quick, Paulie Mawadi. I knew, ex- I knew exactly where you were coming from then, too. <laughs> so, uh, I, I guess Scooter uh, the bookies here. I did, say, gonna... I did say Scooter. You know, dyslexia. <laughs> you know, dyslexia. <laughs> Paulie, you can't be taking it out on me like that. Uh, shooter. Shooter. <laughs> <laughs> It's Shooter, not Scooter. You know when he scores a try, he does a Shooter? That's why. Yeah. Oh, too good. Don't worry about it. There's Rudy Thompson. <laughs> oh, cry. I guess, I guess Lester Whanganuku's looking over his back now just to see where Scooter, Shooter, Scotty, Sumo, Stevenson is. <laughs> what is he, thousands? You reckon he was going to put him up a thousand to one? Scotty Stevenson making it? Oh, too good, too good. Hey, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that is looking pretty juicy though, Paulie, and that's this Friday night. The Warriors, thirteen plus at four dollars. You guys are feeling generous. Yeah, and the, the, the faithful are all over it as well. Um, they've taken the Wars at a dollar eighty head to head. As you mentioned, the Wars thirteen and over in that winning team in margin. A book has been been very well backed by. Uh, the Warriors fans, so yeah, if the Warriors come out and play the same way they did last weekend, like that, when they uh, took care of the Dragons, um, the Rabbitohs are going to be in a, a wee bit of trouble. Of course, they're coming off a big loss themselves, um, and no Latrell for them. Uh, once again, he, he's not going to be there for a while, it looks like. So, yeah, the Warriors, they, they could knock over, and if you look at their draw, their next, I think, next four opponents are all in the top eight at the moment. So they've got the, the bunnies, I think they've got the eels, they've got the sharks coming up. Um, and so this is a, a, these are huge, these are almost four point games for the Warriors if they win. Because uh, they, if they do win, they pick up two points and their opposition don't pick up any points. So this is a vital part of the season for them. I'm sure Webby will have them ready to go, but to, as, it, in terms of action, the Warriors have just been the best backed uh, out of any of the teams for this weekend's game. So, yeah, the, the faithful on. I know it's a sold-out crowd. Um, it's going to be a huge, huge night at uh, Leshko Media Stadium. And I'm looking forward to the call from Sammy and from uh, Kempe. I like the Leshko part. That's, good. That's very, <laughs> very, very good, Scooter. <laughs> hey Paulie, hey Paulie, just yeah. just on that selections, who's lead, who's leading the way in terms of uh, those all, all black selections? Oh, okay, it's it's fairly well spread out uh, on the outside backs. So any other combination at a dollar seventy five has been well supported. Um, Jordan, Fanganuku, and Narawa at 225 also being supported and there's a few that think um that barrett flying anuku and jordan at three dollars looks like a bit of value and uh, you know Ooh. once again you've got to get in the mind of fozzy bear and just think is he going to give some of those crusaders and chiefs a wee bit of a rest uh first up and maybe give some of the other super rugby players a, a wee bit of a go it's just yeah being able to decide what he's going to do. Uh, Geordie Barrett and Rico Iwani are by far and away uh, 
um, the most popular selection in the midfield. Um, no surprises. Aaron Smith and Richie Mwanga at $1.65, also well supported. Um, and then you get to the uh, loose forwards, and it, it seems fairly straightforward. Severe, Kane, and Papali'i at $1.50. But we've taken a bit of money on um, Severe, Papali'i, and Frizzell at $5. So, um, yes, yeah, people. What about the front row? Oh, it's the Groot and Lomax, dollar twenty-five. There's, yeah, Ooh, okay. there's not a lot of not a lot of action anywhere else in terms of the props. To be fair, um, punters thinking that the Groot and Lomax will be the starting props for that um, first test against Argentina on the 9th of July. Nice, Paulie. Nice. Um, we have had a, a bit of a chat about Ardi Savia not being a number eight. Uh, according to Jeff Wilson on the breakdown against uh, against the French, uh, and uh, and Josh has actually just t- chipped in and saying Artie isn't an eight, but drop Sam Kane and play Artie there and give him the captaincy. According to Josh, are, are you getting any uh, any take on uh, uh, much movement on that? Well, I guess if he wasn't um, playing eight, then you'd probably be taking any other combination at a dollar fifty in that loose forward mix. Um, sort of thing. I, you'll be taking I donations. That's what you'll be taking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, great to hear from you, Tony Scooter, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he can't, he can't miss today. Paulie Mawadi, watch your bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. You got anything else for us, Paulie, or are you, uh, you off to hit the coffee machine? <laughs> oh, you know me too well, Ricardo. Uh, I'll I'll have something for you at Cambridge Synthetic tomorrow. Good man. So, um, yeah, we'll have a chat then. Sounds good, Paulie. Look forward to it. It is 22 away from nine. We're going to talk basketball with Brooke Roscoe next. 17 away from nine, and Brooke Roscoe joins us, uh, former pro basketballer and now part of the Sky commentary team. Morning, Brooke. How you doing? Mm. Morning, boys. Morning, boys. Very good. Very good. That's a story, mate. Hey, uh, I know we. Were, I wanted. I said I wanted to talk drafts and trades and and the NBL with you. But before we get into that, mate, uh, I've just seen this come up. Uh, Logan uh, Swinkles, uh, producer Logan here, mes- messaged me today, and he said, "Hey, uh, have you seen this news? ESPN have picked up the rights to all the FIBA World Cup games. That means Team USA's opening game versus the Tall Blacks is going to be broadcast nationwide." right across the United States. Just how big is that for our boys? Wow, I actually haven't heard that before this. No, uh, no, that's great. That's huge. I've talked to a couple of the boys already and they're excited to be playing them, but to have it broadcasted back home against some of the talent that is going to be there, that's nuts. That's, uh, That's a very, very good place for basketball to be in New Zealand. Yeah, you get to see our very own competing against the very best. Brooke, it's Izzy here, mate. Appreciate That's you joining it. the show. We just had a message coming in. All good, brother. Uh, question for Brooke. Which player in the NBL should we be keeping an eye on? Is there someone that he's been cleaning the boards and doing the dishes that has been carving up? <laughs> who's doing, I like that. I like that. Uh, who's been doing the dishes? Rob Lowe has been like a, a amazing. The only thing about Rob Lowe, and this is why I think we should keep an eye on him, is he's just announced he's going to retire. This is kind of it. Mm. Like Rob Lowe has been uh, like a, a staple of basketball here in New Zealand since now, like 2008. He's probably like just over 30 now, but he, he's just, to me, playing the best basketball he's ever played, and he's, he's calling it a day at the end of the NBL. So, um, I, is I think he, we though? Enjoy the time. You know, wow, bro, he's playing so well. That's <laughs> why I'm like, no, you've got you to write it back. But they, 
they look like they could pull it off and win it, and there's no better way to go out. So, hey, uh, Rob, he's the one for me at the moment. Hey, Brock, what about Charlie Dalton? Like he scored the first eleven, he scored the first eleven points uh, for the Tuatara the other night, uh, Friday night, and he's off to to America to to pick up a jewel. Um, scholarship in both volleyball and basketball. Is he someone to watch for the future? Yeah, he's one that we want to keep on outside and keep him over in basketball. Very good at volleyball as well. He, I, I've been high on him all year because he's playing around people like Rob Lowe and, and Ruben Sarangi, like all these older veteran high IQ guys, but he's just fit in. Like he's, he's starting for them. He's playing big minutes, like 30 plus minutes at a teenage age, and he just doesn't overdo anything. You know, you can get to the moment and it everyone gets a little bit scared in the moment or tries to overplay their hand or do a little bit too much. He's, he's fitting right in, just playing his role, always in the right place at the right time. A lot of the time he's defending the imports on the other team. He, he's good. And if he just keeps playing the way he's playing and, and not try to overplay anything, it's very like Dylan Boucherish. He, he can score a little bit more than Dilly, but just does his job and does it extremely well. So yeah, Charlie's a good one too. Hey, Brooke, uh, just back on, Rob. I mean, there's a few people who have been saying that he got low-balled by the breakers, um, the way he's mm-hmm. playing this season, and that's why he, t- he turned down and decided to retire from the uh, the, the AMBL. Uh, but the way he's playing and everything, do you, do you reckon it's just a boss move from him just to force their hand? Come back to me. Come I, back to me with a better offer. I did think that, but I've, I've, I've had a couple chats, and apparently this one's real this time. It's uh, he, he struggled during COVID, and his family was based here, and he came back home while the breakers were away. And it's, it's apparently it's just a. Uh, uh, I've played a lot of basketball, and it's been very good to me, and it's time for me to step away. But you're absolutely right. I'm like, go get some more money, man. Still playing in Auckland, <laughs> they need to pay you. Go and get some money. But if yeah. this is the way to go out, then good on them. Yeah, go get some money, like a couple of prospects over there in the NBA. Has Victor Webbenyama been the biggest prospect ever? Oh, geez, pretty well. Uh, technically, yes. <laughs> He's a big boy, apparently still growing. Apparently he might get to like seven foot six. I would say if you're, if you're a fringe like NBA follower and you want to support a team mm. before it's too late, go and support the Spurs. This kid is about to be – he is amazing. He is a freak of nature. Uh, it seems like he's got his head screwed on, and I, I do feel a touch of. Uh, well, I, I do feel sorry for him a little bit because of the expectations mm. they put on him. It's almost like if he's not as good or he's not a top five player of all time, then he's failed. And LeBron had the same stuff, and I think that's the that just shows how amazing LeBron James is. That he's almost exceeded expectations when they said if he wasn't a top five player of all time, then he he, he failed in his career. And LeBron's gone out there and arguably is the greatest, and some people will say second. But it's very similar with this Victor Webinyama. He is a he is a freak. Like he, he is going to change basketball. Um, he, he he's going to he's something else. He is something else. Uh, is there concerns for his size? Obviously, he's tall, but when you look at him, he's skinny as anything. So physical yeah. physicality will that be a problem? They'll, they'll go with him, but I think the NBA has changed slightly as well. Um, it's, it's not as physical as it used to be, but they're, they're, they will definitely go with him. I think his size, because he is so long, that will help him. He'll be able to give a little bit of space and he can protect at the rim. But they'll, they'll definitely give it a couple of goes. There'll, there'll be guys like Carl uh, Anthony Towns and you know, some of those bigger, stronger fours that also can step away that uh, I think will be a test for him in the early days. But he, his, his length and his athleticism... He can pick the ball up from halfway, take one dribble, and dunk it. Like he, you just don't really see that type of thing. So 
I think he'll be all right. He'll, he'll build out a little bit. We all know he's only like 19. So he'll, 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 he'll stock up a little bit. But the length and the size and the IQ that he has, he's been playing basketball against these older guys for years. I think he's going to be all right. He's going to be good. <laughs> It looks like he's got sharp <laughs> elbows. I know, tell you that much for Freebrook. Um, <laughs> to come out, also come out that he's not going to play for France at the FIBA World Cup. And Paolo Banquero, who was going to play for the Italians, who were a bit of a smoky, has now decided he's going to play for the US. So you got the Spurs saying, oh, look, uh, maybe don't play this World Cup. Banquero from the Magic going, actually, I'm going to play for the US. Mate, is this, uh, is this a bit of, bit of dirty politicking behind the scenes from uh, Team USA? I actually just think it's that the Victor Wembanyama is is so big, and he's like the the idea of how good he is going to be. The Spurs are they're just not willing to risk. I think they think that they could win championships around this kid, and they're going to build a team around him. And before he even starts the season, they don't want to lose him. What has happened in the past? Uh, European players are much better, or well, not much better. That's probably a bad way to put it. But they are uh, they're very high on playing for their countries, like a Luka Doncic or. Uh, Joker, they're always playing for their, their sides. And I know that Victor Wimbanyama would have been keen to play for France, but I think this is just a play from the Spurs, being like, hey, man, we, like, we, you can play for France at some point, maybe just not in the off-season before you start your first one around. So I would imagine there's something along those lines. And I also think Team USA needs needs Paulo as well. They, they're they're going to have a good team, but it's not probably going to have the Stiffs and the KDs and the LeBrons that you're used to. Mm. Yeah, and w- what about the NBL, mate? Does anyone catch the the Nuggets and the Tuatara? Are they? Are, will it be those two fighting it out at the end of the year? The Rams, the Rams are floating around too, and I really like what the Bulls are doing at the moment. But there, there's something about this Tuatara team. I think, it's, as we talked about just before, that man, the IQ that those boys have, the, the average age is like 47, but they're making it work. They're all on the same page. And then with the Nuggets, they they've just got Ty Webster back, and if you're ever lacking confidence. That's the man that you want on your side. He, he'll tell you to keep shooting. He's going to keep shooting. He's good on the defensive end. They, they picked up a good one with him too. So I would have those two uh, and maybe the Bulls at the top kind of fighting for that, that top three spot. It's a, it's a battle for the next three to make it through to the playoffs. But if I was a gambling man, which I'm obviously not because <laughs> but if I was, tour title would be for me right now. All right. Uh, Don't uh, lie. You love a punt. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on the Chiefs side. I've been on the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> Brooke, what about, what about the Saints? You know, um, up until two seasons ago, they were the dominant team in New Zealand basketball. They have fallen away. I, I thought last season was down to poor management and maybe a bit of arrogance, but it seems to have happened again. What, what's gone wrong there? Yeah, something's not working, and one of my closest friends is a part of that team, and I'm, I'm, I'm constantly going to him like, hey, man, what are you guys doing? Like, on paper, especially last year, they had an NBA player in Xavier Coates, who, Xavier Cook, sorry, who went back to Sydney Kings with our MVP in the finals, then shot off to the Washington Wizards, and he played for the Saints last year. I'm like, how, you guys, how did you guys not get it done? And it's a very similar story this year as well. And just, it's one of those ones where they just don't have answers for, because on paper... Very good. Defensive end, struggling to get stops, but because of the team they have, they should be able to stop teams. It's just, it's, every now and then you just have those seasons that's just not clicking. They've had a back-to-back season. But in saying that, I also think it's a good thing for the NBL. Um, you know, just, it opens up space for other teams to come in, and it's, it's just not a, a given at the start of the year. I think for the last like 15 years, we'll kind of be like, hey, man, Saints going to win it. Whereas this year, you're kind of like, oh, Tuatara or... The Rams are there, the Bulls, the Nuggets. Like it, it opens up space for the rest of the teams. But 
for the Saints and their management team, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a time that they haven't seen in a long time. It's, it's, it's a little bit of turmoil. Yeah, a lot of turmoil going on in uh, Wellington at the moment. Hey, Brooke, thanks very much for coming on this morning, brother. Appreciate your Show busy, so really enjoy your time and uh, go well, bro, and enjoy the rest of that sales NBL. Look forward to hearing your courtside. Appreciate you, brothers. Hey, Izzy, I like that. Do the dishes. I love that. Do the dishes, man. Do the dishes. <laughs> he doesn't know. Brooke, he one. doesn't know how to do the dishes. Cleaning the boards. Oh, I do them every day. The dishes. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Coming up six away from nine when we come back. Doyen, Ian Smith joins us.